The world around us is changing faster than ever before. From automation, artificial intelligence, big data, geolocation, to every aspect of how we work and live. This includes data. Welcome, Welcome. to Data Welcome. Gurus Podcast. Our mission is to bring you a real-life perspective on what's happening in the industry and how successful companies and individuals in this niche navigate through the sea of change. Encouraging you to be bold, be brave, and be fearless. Let's navigate the data ecosystem together. Welcome to the Data Gurus Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Data Gurus. This is Seema Vasa, your host. And today, Wes Michael joins me of Rare Patient Voice. He's also the founder, and he calls himself the president of... <laughs> no, he really is the president of Rare Patient Voice. Welcome, Wes. How are you? Good, good. It's great to be with you, Seema, especially since we missed at the last conference. I know. Well, we were just talking about how many conferences are kind of overlapping each other. It's a yeah. little bit of a crazy time to catch up. After yep. two and a half years of kind of being quiet. Right, right. It's kind of uh, an overdose after, after two years of staying yeah. at home. Yeah. So, Wes, I'm just so curious about your story. How did you get to the point of starting Rare Patient Voice? Typically, when I talk to people, everybody wants to talk about their company and, and what it does right, and, right, right. and what value. And I want to get to that. But I'm also very curious as to your journey up to that point. Oh, All right. You know, I was an English major in college. So what do you okay. do with that, right? Yeah. And I got a job at a little computer. And I knew nothing about computers. I'd taken one programming course that I'd never seen that language before since. But I got a job at a little computer consulting company that they wanted me to help edit their publication. So, oh, good. I'm an English major. I can edit these things. Yeah. They did little surveys. They would do surveys among users of software and hardware. And I said, I'll take a look at these. I was manually doing stuff on the thing. I never heard of statistics or anything at that point. And I got a kick out of it. I, was, I write up these things. I call people up and get their comments. And then I went back to school. I went back to get an MBA. Okay. I had that on my mind. Hey, marketing, marketing research is interesting. And I actually learned statistics, you know, so I knew cool. I said, yeah. oh my God, I was so ignorant. I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> and then I, from there though, I worked at General Mills, great okay. training ground and market research, all the great methods and things, but it was kind of chilly in Minneapolis. And I worked there for a few years. And then moved to McCormick, the spice company in Maryland, which which I lived in. In Cockeysville, right? In Cockeysville. Yeah. Uh, they like to call it Hunt Valley because it sounds better yes, for a okay. Fortune 500 company. Yes. It was actually down, our offices were down on the Inner Harbor when we were there. It was really quite neat. That's a nice place. Where they were still packing the spices and it got infused in your clothes and everything you had. And you know, I was a bigger fish in a smaller pond there, much smaller market research department, but mm -hmm. very interesting doing all this work, rebranding things, new products, and that kind of a thing. And then it's still ancient history to everybody, but in the 90s, there was a big change in the healthcare world. They made legal direct to consumer ads. All those ads we see on TV, people right. running on the beaches, ask your doctor about that was not legal before then. You could not advertise a brand name drug and what it was for. So that was a big change to the pharma world. And I moved into that world. A company at the time was called Migliar Kaplan. It's been bought and sold many times. It's, mm -hmm. it's latest incarnation is really the Cerner and Visa, you know, and they've been bought by Oracle. Right. But it was so interesting because you're dealing with these really smart researchers and marketers at the Pfizer's and BMS's and Merck's and such. Mm -hmm. and they knew nothing about consumer, that I kind of thinking. It was really exciting to be dealing with all these, these companies like Merck and Pfizer and BMS that knew everything about marketing to a physician. 
one-on-one for the right. Salesforce. Nothing about TV advertising the mass markets. Uh, they never heard of a GRP. You know, you'd be in every meeting you'd be in, you'd mention that and they go, what is that again? Yeah. And But they're smart people and they learned quickly, but it was so interesting to see them move from just doing physician research to doing patient research. Mm-hmm. And one of my first clients was in the hemophilia space. There's where I get into the rare disease area. Right. At that point, there were only a few thousand in the whole country. They're okay. very valuable. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the treatments, the factor products were very valuable. And this company said, could you create a panel for us? We love to talk to these people, learn, because the product we're selling is the exact same as our competitors. So it's all going to be about the marketing. Mm-hmm. You don't say it like that, but that's what, what the upshot was. And we, you know, you were the company, you, you know, we didn't know if we could do it, but we bid on it and won it. So we had to figure out how to do it. And we went to the National Hemophilia Foundation Conference and we brought our swag and our yep. clipboards and our signage. And it wasn't even on the internet. It was just paper and pencil. And it worked. We explained what market research was. People signed up. We would do interviews and surveys with them and the client was happy. And every year we would go back and, and recruit more people. But one year we went back and a client from a different pharma company came up. It was also in the hemophilia space. And they said, I hear you have this patient panel. Can we access it? Mm, light bulb. And, well, and it's like, well, no, it's, <laughs> you know, it's proprietary yeah. for some client, but I got the wheels turning. I'm like, huh. why are we doing all this for one thing? Why not? Is there a business there creating a panel of folks in hemophilia or other diseases and then have it available to multiple companies? And I had that, I said that at the time and I had it in my head many years and didn't do anything with it. But I always said someday, the company I was working for, a very nice, very good market research company, but had a temporary cash flow issue, which a lot of companies have. Right. And they suggested that I work for a few months without getting paid and we'd figure it all out <laughs> down the road. I thought, hey, rather than work, in, if I'm not going to get paid anyway. Right. You're still working. Now, now's the time to start this. And it worked personally too, because my wife had been out of the workforce for over 10 years raising our kids and she was ready to go back to work. And she just found a job. And guess what? It had healthcare, right? It's all about the healthcare. Wow, that's amazing. And our kids were, I don't know, 11, 12 at the time. So I'm like, it was the summertime. And I'm like, we hadn't made any plans for them. I was like, wait a minute, I'm not, I'll be home figuring this out. So right. they'll get a little supervision. You mm-hmm. have to work. And it was perfect. So I, I, and that brings me up to the point where I said, now's the time. And I, you know, got the name and we figured it all out. And guess what? First thing I went was to the National Hemophilia yeah. I worked a lot in that space. I knew the demand was yeah. there and I knew what it could be done, right? So mm-hmm. there I was again, uh, recruiting people for- uh, That's <laughs> for, great. For it's a great um, story. It's also, it's like, there's so many lessons there. First of all, I know young people today sweat about their major and they're like, what am I going to do when I right, you know get right. older? And it's kind of like, you know, your major does not necessarily always define your career. You, there are options and you, you kind of- Listen to your instincts and shift and, and, and adjust. And the values you learn, the things yeah. you learn, apply. Yeah. What? Right. Everything's about communication. Sure. Everything's yeah. about you know saying we talking to patients, talking to clients, talk all this. Talking with employees, how you're going to say it, how you can say it with a little bit of depth. So you start rare, rare patient voice, and you're now in your ninth year. Congratulations. Uh-huh. When you first started, were you nervous? Were you like, oh, I know I can do it? Like, give me an idea of what that felt like those early, early years. Yeah, it's kind of funny. When you look back, you think, what was I thinking? If I knew yeah. what I knew, would yes. I have done it? I was at that stage where I put out some resumes for jobs, you know, client, and I could, you know, certain things I know I could do because people are always hiring people to sell market research. Right. <laughs> but 
you know, things go into a black hole and you'd, and there must be ageism. I was, I'm 65 now. So I guess I was 56 then. So, okay. you know, the people, and I just said, I, I felt like I, I don't want to be waiting around for somebody to make, it's like when you're recruiting patients, you don't wait around for them to contact you. You want to go out and get them. Right. So I said, wait a minute, I've had this idea all the time. And I talked to more people and everybody said, yeah, the need is there. The need is there. I said, yes. I just assumed it would work and make sense. And at the very, I still have somewhere an old spreadsheet I did saying, well, I only do hemophilia and I do X projects a year. Right. Oh, well, you know, that could kind of work. Yeah. And, uh, but I just plowed ahead. I just assumed it would work. And yes. of course, it never, it's never as easy as that. But no. again, thank God I didn't have too much self-doubt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I think a common theme for a lot of entrepreneurs is resilience, right? Like there's no option to fail and you'll figure it out, right? Exactly. So tell me more about your business. Yeah, I know your start was with the community of hemophiliacs, but mm. how did you move into other segments, other rare diseases, if you will? How did you kind of grow and scale this? So my thought was, here's some areas of interest, like MS, for example. Yes. Well, there's MS walks. So right. I contacted the MS Society and I would go to the MS walk in Albuquerque and in Chicago and locally here in Baltimore. And it actually was kind of neat because most of these things are a weekend morning. Right. And I would bring one of my kids and we'd spend the weekend in Chicago. Nice. So we'd go to Albuquerque. And people were eager to sign up. Mm-hmm. And But I still was like, okay, it's just me. And what am I going to do? I can't go to every walk around the country and every disease. Right. Well, good news. I mean- it all seems obvious looking back, but patients know other patients. One yes. of the patients in Albuquerque was so well-connected around the country on her Facebook and everything. The word started to spread. And we said, wait a minute, let's take advantage of this. Let's yeah. give people a referral bonus for referring people yes. to us. And so that would expand. And when I started, I intentionally thought I would not get into cancer. Mm-hmm. I mean, thank God we made so much progress there. But the business model is you want people that are going to be around for a long time. Right. You don't want to spend a lot of time in trouble to recruit somebody and have them pass away. And of course, yeah. they don't want to do that either. Yes. So I was kind of, but as you know, as active as oncology as cancer, we got so many requests and I'm like, well, I can't do these, but I have been introduced. It's all about networking. I've been introduced to a gentleman, David time, who created this thing called What Next. It was a, okay. For its time, it was ahead of the game. It was the national, or it was the social health website of the American Cancer Society. It was basically just a community for people to post questions and comments and things like that. Okay. He had all this wonderful information of people signed up and opted in for research. And I said, oh, I'll just pass these people on to him. Mm. And I gave him a call and he says, I don't know the first thing about market research. (laughs) I have this thing. I don't know what to do with it. I said, okay, let's work together. So we worked together and he actually knew some things that I didn't know about survey monkey and things when we were getting started. And so at the very beginning, instead of saying I've got hemophilia and MS, I could say, well, we got a few things. Plus we have cancer patients. Right. Got it. And so, so much of our, as you can imagine, work with cancer yeah. patients and we split recruiting fees with him. So it was a real, he was monetizing his, his right. site and we had something to sell. And then pharma companies would come to us and say, hey, we're going to be doing this down the road. Eosinophil, I used to be able to say EOE, eosinophilic esophagitis. That's going to be a topic and it's not just us, somebody else is in it. Boom. Okay. Where's the, who are so they? So you had demand signals. Yeah. 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 So we started to go to these events and then- the good, you know, like I guess all people, all entrepreneurs, if you will, when I was working to midnight every night, I'd say it's time to hire somebody else. So every yeah. time I, I'd hire somebody and then, oh, it's time again. And as we got more people, they could go out to patient events yes. as well as running projects and doing everything. And then the best thing happened. The guy called me. He was an MS patient in our panel and he had moved to um, Colorado and he says, what can I do for you guys? I'm like, I don't know, but 
<laughs> hey, we're going to be in Colorado for an epilepsy conference. Come on down. So he came and he took a look and he says, I can do this thing for you. Do you want me to help? I'm wow. a people person, right? Yeah. I said, yeah, why not? So he started looking up events in Colorado and we gave him his materials and sure. training. And then he said, you know, I need somebody else. And you know, I have somebody in Denver. Well, then we got to like 50 people around the country. It wasn't me flying around. It's people going to events in their yeah. own cities. And then guess what? It even works better because when I, I love it. I was just at a first in-person patient event since COVID. I was at last weekend, but I love going to those, but I'm giving people the rational, right? It's market research. It helps them yes. products. You get paid. It's confidential and it's fine. But these are folks, my kid has this disease. Oh, my kid has, they yeah. connect emotionally. Yeah. And so they would go to events and they would really spread the word. And so it's, we're not paying Southwest right. all this. They're just going to something in their in their city. And then totally unplanned. Guess what? That became a great source mm. of employees, full-time employees, because people say, hey, I can do, what else do you have? And say, oh, you can do some data entry. And we'd say, boy, this person has a lot on the ball. Do they want to be full-time? Now, like How half our fantastic. project managers- it's like having a, a souped up intern program. You know how right. interns are so great because they see you, you see them. You, yes. It's not just an interview you're basing on. Well, same thing. So many of these folks, and not only did we know them before they started, to, they know both sides of the business. Mm -hmm. They know the patients, they're empathetic. Yes. And then they learn, how do I run a project? How do I deal with a client? So who knew? I didn't plan any of that. Just, that's just that's fantastic. Happen. But it sounded like, it sounds like you've remained open to opportunities. Yeah, and, that's true. I mean, right? I could have told, this guy could have called me and I could have said, I don't have time to talk to Right. <laughs> And yeah. I have that all the time. We just, I was just talking to somebody the other day. I'm like, we don't know, but it's like, wait, wait a minute. Maybe there's something here. Sure. So yeah. I always like to take time to talk to people and it may or may not pan out, but more, more often than you think it does in both directions. How yeah. can we help them? How can they help us? So many advocacy groups, they're partners with us yeah. now. So they spread the word for us. We right. give them a referral payment. We partner with them. We spread the word for them. We go to their events. You know, it's fantastic. It and do, and patients get to talk to each other in your panel. Is there a way that they can engage with each other or is yeah, it not, not, is more traditional? Not yeah, traditional. Not, yeah. tr you know, we talked about it. So it's really kind of a one way. Okay. It's kind of old school. Yeah. I mean, we do have uh, newsletters and Facebook pages mm -hmm. and things like that. We've talked about having more of a community, but you can't just, somebody's got to monitor this. Yeah. Thing, right. Where it goes right to the gutter, right? For it's sure. Anonymous. Yes. Well, you're this and you're that and you smell spelling. Yep. You're an idiot. You're and right. So, so we haven't done that. I think there is value in that. Other people are doing wonderful jobs with, with putting out wonderful content for people. And, and that's what the What Next folks, our partners were doing. Got they it. had a nice platform for that. Yeah. But we haven't, I've kind of stuck to the, okay, let's the core. these people for research. At least yeah. for now. You're essentially helping patients, right? By giving them their voice and being able to really provide their feedback. Do you feel different in the sector that you play in? Do you know what I mean? Like, is it? Yeah. Yeah. I really... I mean, there's several things about it that I really like because, you know, we're all competitive and we like to win. Yeah. But it's nice. I like to think there is no losers here. Our mm. com so somewhat competitors are our clients, right? right? The people that have panels, they don't have enough to get what we yeah. have. So we help them. The patients, oh my God, the patients are like, finally, somebody, my family's tired of hearing me talk about this. Somebody, <laughs> and you know how moderators, how wonderful, yes. they're empathetic and they're yes. knowledgeable. And the people, we do a, you know, we give the patients after every survey, they get a chance to give feedback. Yeah. And it's so wonderful that we read, a, like to read out the comments. We have a monthly meeting with yeah. all our staff and just to read out, thank you for giving me the chance to, and they always say that, thank you for giving me a chance. And the money's nice too. Cause yeah, we pay people yeah. like a hundred, hundred dollars an hour, which is 
a lot more than if they're Cheerio eaters or whatever yes, they might be. Yes. But we say, say, hey, hey, you guys are worth it. And the clients don't blink at it. Right. So, And then one of our favorite things that we put in our signature, we always keep tabs. Now we've paid patients over $9 million wow. since we started. So yeah, it's barely a win-win. The patients gain. Yes. Our clients love it because in the past, how do you get people to go to physician? It takes forever. And they wouldn't even do that much research. Now the patients are available to them. They can do it and they get them. We got ad agencies calling, right? Oh, we got a pitch. We want to look smart in this disease. Can we talk to five of these patients by Friday? Not no problem. Wow. Is that yeah. Do you do primarily qualitative work or you do quant and qual? We do both. I mean, you think with rare diseases, uh, a lot of times the numbers are small. It's hard to do quant, right. but about a third of our work is quant. And the neat thing is we have numbers now that you, you can easily do a quant with 100 people in hemophilia yeah. or 250 with MS or whatever it might be. Or, you know, some companies, they'll have to work with a lot of folks. We're happy to partner, as you mm-hmm. can imagine, because it takes a lot to, to scrounge together. 10 from here and 20 from there, 30 from there, right. trying to get a, get a quant study together for certain. And do you work with, primarily with brand end clients, like the pharma companies, healthcare companies, or do you work with kind of, you know, the research agencies? Where's your sweet spot? Yeah, um, the good question. Well, the vast majority, high 90% are other market research okay. because we're not doing the interviews. We're not right. writing surveys. We're not all the things I did in the past. Right. I say, we're leaving the work up, to, the yeah. hard work to the, uh, the research <laughs> company. We're only do we're the match. We're only pull, yeah. pulling the patients. And so we're happy to deal directly with the pharma company, but most often, A, they want kind of a firewall between them right. and patients. And B, most of them aren't prepared to do that. Do all the do other work. Works. Yeah. Uh, sometimes they might want us to recruit for an advisory board mm-hmm. that could be directly with the pharma companies. And I'm looking at your logo. It says rare patient voice. Uh, and then I, underneath it, it also <laughs> says also non-rare. Are you expanding your horizons as yeah, it well, relates what's, to? Yeah, what's, what's all that about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when I started, and you know, you, you had hemophilia, I just assumed the non-rare needs were being met by the big panels. Right. So let's stay under the radar. Let's focus on rare. I'll go to the events. We'll find those folks. And then I discovered several things. Patients, uh, this is unfortunate, but patients don't have one disease. So many people have multiple yeah. conditions. Yes. And they'd say, well, I have hemophilia. Do you want me to put my hepatitis down? Or I've got uh, lupus. Wow. Should I also put my anxiety down? Yeah. I'm like, hmm. And then, or my friend here, can they sign up? They've got mm-hmm. high blood pressure. And I was thinking, geez. And we at the time, we were giving a gift card for everybody to sign up. I'm like, geez, I hate to pay all these people and not need them. And at the same time, I started getting clients saying, do you have to have asthma patients? Right. Have have-? I said, okay, okay. I'm not saying <laughs> no to anybody. Yeah. But we charge the same price. So I said, but people aren't going to come to us for a big diabetes study because I know they can get them cheap. Well, they're I'm coming sure there's to some that, but they do. We, yeah. we do a ton of work now with these non-rare. So I said, wait a minute, what are we going to do? And I don't want to change the name. Right. Because the focus is still rare and everybody's rare in their own way. So this is what we came up with is also non-rare. And we can't constantly tell clients, not just rare, come to us yeah. with the all. And some of them, a lot of them are like, okay, any patient needs we have, boom. Right. So that was right. the way we kind of uh, finagled it. And you're right. I hadn't thought about it. Like people have multiple kind of conditions. Right. And so that in itself, you can, you know, leverage your existing communities or panels just to kind of target well, some other It's things. like having, like our panel is about 100,000 in the US, which is small as a panelist. But when you think of rare diseases, yeah. it's, it's rich. But it's actually quite larger if you think about that's the number of people. How right. many diseases are Correct. represented? Because we have like 750 diseases and there's even more sub-diseases. So I always tell people, not that I'm hoping you have more than one condition. Right. 
Yes. But if you do, you'll have more opportunities to take part if you're listening. Uh, Yeah. I bet you've gotten an inside view on a lot of different conditions that exist out there. Everyone is worse than the one before ended. And I'm always amazed when you go to these patient events, you're like, oh my God, if I had this or my child was diagnosed, would I? But then I'm remembering, I'm seeing them the day they're diagnosed. Right. I'm seeing them after whatever they've they're gone managed. through, yeah. they've kind of pulled themselves together and they're fighting the battle. They're yeah. getting involved. They're coming. Right. They want to share their voices. I'm not necessarily seeing the people that, you know, yeah. get totally depressed and don't want to do anything. That's true. So, but That's true. so many people do, they, they fight and they, it's amazing. I see it. And then, oh, there's pemphigus. You know, these horrible yeah. life-threatening blisters and stuff inside your mouth. Then just oh, so much often yeah. or EB, I won't even tend to pronounce it, where mm-hmm. children to total their whole body is ravaged by even by cloth or sheets touching it the blisters and, and oh, wounds boy. and such yeah and then let alone i used to think when i was doing the research prior to this when clients would ask talk at stage four cancer i'm like don't they have something better to do yeah. with the time they have left to do a survey but i was wrong i mean yeah. again i'm talking with people that wanted they say thank you so much even if it doesn't help me it can I'm, help I'm somebody a, else it's, it's going to help yeah. those that follow and so I tell people, don't be, you know, these, we've gotten a wonderful response. From right. People. And then we get notes. I got a note the other day from a husband of a patient mm-hmm. said, well, my wife passed away, but she enjoyed doing your service. Wow. Like, you know, yeah. this is more important than our surveys. Yeah. But, <laughs> but you made a but, difference yeah. in that person's life, which is pretty yeah, powerful. Yeah, good. And then even the hundred dollars, you know, you think, uh, but people say, oh, it was a tough time. So many are on disability. Yeah. So many think about it. If you have a kid with a disease, so many, you might move mm-hmm. to be near a specialty center if it's rare that right. you, you just can't treat it wherever you might live. You tend to give up a career and yes. it's typically the woman, right? Because mom yeah. becomes the caregiver more right. often than not. And so there's a big economic effects. Mm-hmm. We're not going to make up for those, but people say, hey, that really helped me. It helped. You're a hundred yeah. hours there. It's helpful for people. So It's amazing, Wes. Well, it's a great it's story. It's kind of like Robin Hood, you know, yeah. the, farm, the rich farm. I know, yeah. I know their budgets aren't as big as everybody thinks they are, but you know, but it's nice to share some of that yeah, out with yeah. patients for something of value. Because yeah. sometimes people say, I would do this even if I weren't paid. And I'm like, but you know, there's an additional value to paying the patients. It's not just that they get compensated, but if you're listening to somebody, you're more apt to value something you pay for. Yeah. You know yeah. how it is? Yes. yes. How they just came in and gave their opinion. What do we care? No. You know, they take it, it seriously. They want to be accurate. Yeah. yeah. I totally yeah. agree with that. Yeah. So what's, what's the future look like for you? Well, you know, it's always like how to grow. Yeah. Uh, for us, any, whatever we have, people want more. So constantly growing the panel, thank God. And with COVID, we haven't been able to go out to- Go out and see, yep. In-person events, at least starting to come back. But as you can imagine, the last people that should be out there are people with compromised yes. systems. very true. But in the meantime, we've been fortunate, and having started this before that, we do a wonderful job. We've had folks that work for us on outreach that go out that, that have the advocacy groups that are online or on all the different platforms, finding people. So that's been very helpful. It's also geographic. So we I was going to say, are you going to expand? Europe. Yeah. And uh, everybody says, please, please. And it's so much easier to go in the US, but clients are like, we need a good yeah. source of patients. And so we finally have done that and that's um, helpful. And then there's, you know, other revenue streams. So my background as unit market mm-hmm. research Guess who else needs patients? What about clinical trials? Right, right. So, and for us, I mean, it's a whole different wall game with different verbiage and stuff, but sure. for us, it's the same. We have yes. the patients that we reach out to them and if they're interested, they they can move ahead with that. So all these other areas are, are with us. I'm not shy about time people. 
this company has been my retirement plan. I, I put everything into it, right? Yeah. yeah. Someday I'm still, not now. I love yeah. it. We're having a good time. <laughs> we're, we're profitable. We're great team. We're moving ahead. We're growing. As you can imagine, we get calls all the time about yeah. that. I'm yes. happy to talk to people. I want to be on their list when the time right. comes. How often is it? And you probably have this. I work with certain companies when everything comes together. You know, you got a good team. And yeah. then, of course, they change. The world changes, right? Right, right. Just when you think, couldn't this? So I'm at that place like, let's continue yeah. this for a while. It's not going to go on forever. Nothing ever does. Enjoy it. Why, it why seems like you're having a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's helping a lot of people. And yeah. uh, there's no reason not to uh, knock on wood. You know? Knock so, on wood. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. That's. I love your story. It's amazing. I love the fact that you're helping patients, you know, letting them have their voice heard and impacting research, which is, you can't, it's got to feel good every day. It does. Again, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, we're not trying to convince them to smoke or drink or something. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 you know, even so, uh, the world of pharma is not pure. And yes, pure, understood. You know? Yeah. But it's like, hey, the more people know, the better yeah. they can handle themselves. Thank you so much for joining me, Wes. I really enjoyed this discussion. Oh, I, lo- I love it. Thanks so yeah. much for letting me share my voice. Of course. Oh, <laughs> very nice. And I will see you in September. Very good. Yes. All right. Cool. Thanks. Thanks for seeing Teams are in flux, but you still have to get your research in field. Partnership with Paradigm Sample means you get our expert focus on every detail of your project. We have access to over 1 million consumers and many business professionals who are eager to voice their opinions and participate in traditional and non-traditional online studies, whether it comes to sampling, programming and hosting services or consultation. We are agile and quick to meet your needs. Visit ParadigmSample.com today. Thank you for tuning in to Data Guru's podcast. This episode has ended. But your exploration doesn't have to. Head over to www.dataguruspodcast.com and access all the resources and links mentioned in today's show. You'll also find bonus content available to our podcast listeners exclusively. That's www.dataguruspodcast.com. Until next time, be bold, be brave, and be fearless.